What's up everybody? Welcome to the Family Legacy 95 and Father's Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen LaDuke. I've been a dentist for 25 years, was married for 16, 10 years divorced, raising four little girls. And then now I have a beautiful wife, Jill, and our six daughters. And we get to raise our daughters together each and every day. One of the things we're gonna do is teach you on this podcast how to be your own hero. Level up, fill your own cup so it can overflow and be a blessing to everybody else. So with that, we're gonna teach you a bunch of tools. We're gonna bring on some amazing guests so that you can create your own legacy. Let's get going. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast today. Um, this is Stephen LaDuke and with the Legacy 95 podcast. And today we are interviewing the illustrious, the famed, the 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 all-knowing Russell Creed, my brother in arms. Russell, how are you doing today, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. So glad to be here with you, Stephen. Um, awesome. Awesome. I love yes, Russell and I are have become good friends and uh we appreciate each other very, very much for what the other does. Um, while our, our, our hearts and our souls are definitely connected, the way we do things um, is, is different. And we appreciate those differences very much. So um, I'm, I'm super thankful that you're here. Um, I didn't give a big intro because we're going to, for, for a lot of people, introduce you to them and who you are and what you do. Um, but the other aspect of, of it is, is and more importantly to me anyway, is why you do it. What is the reason why Russell Creed is doing the things that he's doing these days? And so let's start out with that. Um, going back, um, uh, uh, I'd say a couple of years ago, you had a, an incident happen with your health that kind of um, prompted a, a, a pretty huge shift for you. You want to share that with us real quick? Yeah, let me let me tell you a little bit about my health journey because it really started um, almost a, de- a little over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. A long journey, and I was I was um, at the top of my career. I was a chief actuary in a Fortune 500 subsidiary insurance company. At the time, actuary is like the number one job in America. So this is this is the epitome of a success and career. I what is an actuary, buddy? An actuary, is, <laughs> sure. An actuary, not many people know. Mm-hmm. And um, actuaries use math and statistics to solve business problems, primarily in the insurance world. Anytime there's risk, we're assessing risk. Right. So uh, it takes a lot of study. Um, spend, I spent 10 years studying for, on my own to pass exams to be accredited actuary. Wow. So I'd already put 10 years in of study. Right. I'm in, in, in the, the chief role in this, this career. And I went in one day for a routine medical checkup, which turned out to be anything but routine. Ugh. And so I did some blood work. Some numbers came back weird in my, my liver's enzymes. And we started an exploration of what was going on. And now I was clean living. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do any of those things that you typically think of lead to liver disease. Um, and so it was a quandary, right? We're sitting here trying to figure it out. And every time we run a test, the possibilities get worse and worse and worse. And so for three months, we went through this process of trying to figure out what was going on. And during those three months, my health deteriorated rapidly. Wow. I assume a lot of it was to the stress and the unknown and right. like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Uh, this could be it. 
And what we landed on is a diagnosis of primary sclerosing cholangitis. That's a big mouthful. So we're just going to call it ESC <laughs> from now on. I, I, I'm a dentist and I'm like, uh... <laughs> so, so what year more or less was it when all of this was going down or how many years ago was it? Yes, I was just turning 40 and I am now 51. So are you really? You're 51, bro? I don't know. You kind of lose track. I was, I was so, saying 49 at the oldest. So yeah, 10, 12, 10 to 12 years ago, this wow. is when the diagnosis uh, emerged. Um, yeah, I can, this was shortly after my, my fifth child was born. And so a lot of the symptoms I was experiencing, I was attributing to being a new father again. Yes. You know, fatigue. I'm always tired. And, and, uh, I had this itchiness, which I thought was from working in the yard and getting all the grass and stuff on me. So I kind of dismissed all the symptoms right? until the evidence was right in front of me. Right. And primary sclerosing cholangitis, PSC, is where your bile ducts are collapsing. Your body attacks your bile ducts okay. and destroy them. And these are in your liver. So they're there to push the bile into your intestines, which is used to digest your food and, and all that stuff. And when it backs up in your liver, it destroys the liver. Um, there's no known cure. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know what causes it. It's one of these rare unknown diseases that they don't spend a lot of time researching because it doesn't affect a lot of people. Right. Gotcha. There are some organizations that are working on it, but you know, these, it's a small, small endeavor um, in the scope of things. And so the only known treatment really is a, a liver transplant. They don't know how to cure it, so they just take it out and replace it. Wow. So I was quickly put on the transplant list, and then I sat there for six years. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking about you deteriorating in three months and you were on it for six years. Yes. Wow. So it's, brother. A, it's a roller coaster ride. Sometimes you feel better. It's one of these invisible diseases where people don't really know that you're sick and then you're, you're but really you're like fighting debilitating fatigue. Right. Um, you've got itchiness that's going on. And, and then as it gets worse, you get jaundice. So you start to turn yellow. And I was, I was very yellow and there's other complications with it. It creates some pressure in your internal systems. Yep. And so one of those places where you become vulnerable is in your neck because the blood vessels don't have a lot of back pressure. And so you have the possibility of blood vessels in your neck bursting. Holy crap. And you can, you can bleed out and it almost did once. Dude. It, was it was it in your neck? Was it in the carotids in, the in your neck? Or, yeah. In the throat, yeah. Wow. I, um, it was on my wife's birthday, of all things. <laughs> <laughs> and she spent her birthday taking me to the emergency room, and I spent a week in the hospital while they tried to repair things in my neck. Wow. Uh, and that's when I started growing a beard. I was trying to hide the yellow. Yes. Now I know the secret behind the beard. So I spent six years in this state of deterioration. Um, I had resigned myself to that. This was mm -hmm. my, my cross to bear in a sense. And I was doing everything I could to provide for my family. I, again, had this corporate job, big corporate job at the epitome of the career. Um, family of five kids. And I'm the sole breadwinner. So 
there was a lot of pressure on me a lot for the family um but i i bore it like a good soldier and kept marching on and i honestly wasn't sure i really didn't think i was going to make it uh, the way the transplant system works is in your area only the worst patient is at the top of the list so there's a limited supply of organs sure um, many don't make it mm -hmm. because of that waiting and you have to be in severe condition to be the one that's next in line right. to right. get it. Um, so that's why I was for six years, I was doing okay. I was in this moderate range where I was functioning and I was living. And some days I would be great and other days I would not. Right. Uh, we still did some things. I mean, I, re I remember a year before, um, earlier in the year I had my transplant probably in the spring. Mm -hmm. uh, we were out in the, the mountains of uh, Tennessee and hiking to the top of mountains. So I was still being able Very to get active. out. And, Very and, active. Yeah. 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 Um, the big difference is when I had done that before, I carried a kid on my back to the yeah. top. <laughs> <laughs> this time, it was almost someone needed to carry me, but I made it yeah. up. Um, so yeah, I was still active at times, and then there were other times when I could barely get out of bed. Right. Wow. And wow. Um, in the end, that's what happened is I just got so sick I could not get out of bed. Yeah. I was, I was, um, had to go on disability. Um, walking from my bed to my couch was all I could manage any given day, and then I would sleep and sleep and sleep, and so. Um, it was, that was very much near the end. And mm -hmm. thankfully I, I, um, was able to receive a transplant. Yeah. It was, it was pretty close. That, that's what I was going to say. You, you hung, thankful you hung around long enough because the difference, but for anybody that's at that stage, I mean, it, it can be days, it can be weeks, it could be a month or two or three, like, and, and got, you know, I mean, you don't want to get sick. Correct me if I'm wrong. You don't want to get an illness at that point. Yeah. Definitely. And then even the liver is so important in terms of processing uh, chemicals and food and everything else that um, was, was your, was, was it affecting? Cause um, did I say liver or kidney? I think I might've said kidney, but <laughs> you said liver. <laughs> okay, good. But um but so much of that has to do with also it's, it's all correlated with the pressures. Um, and then, uh, and then you got, did you have digestive problems? Did you have heart issues? I, yeah, I had, there's a couple surprising things. Um, one, I did have digestive problems. I could hardly eat anything yeah. without getting sick. Yeah. And so, uh, for that last year, my, my diet was pretty much beans and rice. Yeah. <laughs> it's about all I could eat without being nauseous. How are um, you with beans and rice now? Oh, I love beans and rice. Oh, you do? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> the standard in our house. Yes. Um, and another thing that was surprising is your liver regulates your body temperature. I didn't realize that. So I was always cold. It could be 98 degrees outside and I was wearing a hoodie trying to stay warm. Um, That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. So then what happened? What happened? So thankfully I received a, a liver transplant and I was doing great the next day. 
got up walking around. I was a superstar in the recovery room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about the, about the day before I was about to go home, something inside tore because my body was not really strong enough to hold everything together. Right. Right. It's still fragile. So much. Yeah. And so I had an internal bleed and thankfully um, the right person was in my room to notice it at the right time. Cause if they wouldn't have been there, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be here. Wow. They rushed me into the IC. They started doing some very invasive work. Um, I was signing papers to before and they were putting things in me before I was out. It was yeah. an unpleasant experience, but bottom line is I was bleeding out faster than they could put blood in me. And they were working feverishly to find where the tear was and um, get something done. And things they did. And when I woke up two days later from a medically induced coma, my body had been through so much trauma it was covered in fluid. I had 60 pounds of extra fluid on my body. What, yeah. what, I, is it the Michelin man? What does that look like? Yes, it looks like the Michelin man. That's what I look like. Or like an orangutan. Have you ever seen a big old orangutan? You yeah. Know, like yeah. And then just yeah. Big that was me. That is not your build. If people can't <laughs> obviously see all of you, but they can see enough of you to see you are not a, uh, a, a large, I'm a, I've got some fluffiness to me. You are not, wow. Yeah. That's My crazy. feet were so thick. They made Fred Flintstone's feet look thin. <laughs> and, and, and instantly you just alienated like three-fourths of the people. They're going, who's, who's Fred Flintstone? Yeah. So, so that was, so that tear happened how long after the surgery? like uh, about a week. So I was still in the hospital. That's why I'm still alive. Um, yeah. They were, they, uh, a resident had come in to take out the last port before I was being sent home. And he's like, Whoa. something's not right. We're taking you to the IC. So um, I have a question for you. Cause you and I do this deep work and I keep interrupting you. I apologize, but so your mindset now, I know what your mindset now is, okay? And we talk, just so everybody knows, Russell and I are in the David Bear coaching program. He is a certified coach with them and a facilitator, coach. And, and so um, we talk a lot about being in a beautiful state of mind, an abundant mindset versus a lack mindset, growth mindset versus fixed. You know, I'm looking at that as very fortuitous that that port was being taken out by that person right there and whoever, either that person or somebody close noticed. But back in the day, and you, you know, you're one week away from surgery, who knows, but how did you and your family, if you're being really honest, how did you and your family, because you, imagine your brain, you're like, okay, this is it this is it Mildred, right? Like, like I got all this way, like you're on it for six years. You finally get to that point. You get the surgery a week goes by. You're doing great. You're an all-star. What's your, what was your mindset in that moment? Share with us the depth of, and, and you're, you're a pretty good dude. So you might have done better than most, but <laughs> be honest with us about that. Cause that, I think sometimes in life, we just feel like we're like, I keep getting the shit kicked out of me and I'm, exhausted of it you know 
Um, I, I was at that time, I was in a place of gratitude. I really was. I was very thankful to be alive and that everything had worked out and that, uh, you know, I, it, it was almost a euphoric gratitude okay, um, and blessed that everything was working out. Now, in that moment, when they're finding something wrong, uh, I was kind of in this place of uh, disbelief. Like, I can't, what? I'm feeling great. Yeah. Things are going great. What do you mean? And they're rushing me off like this is it. And wow. so for a while, I was just in this, this I, I can't understand state. I don't know what's going on because yeah. everything's going right. And now, now when I woke up a couple of days later and things were dramatically different, dramatically different. I was so big, um, I couldn't move. They had to put me in a special bed that would move me around just so that right. the body keeps moving around. Otherwise, things keeps, can happen, right? The muscles and the fluids and everything. Yeah. So you don't get edema worse than what you already had. It. Yeah. And you don't get bed sores and, yep. and you know, all that sort of stuff. So I, I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't lift my, um, I was dying of thirst and the, I was just begging for water and they wouldn't give it to me because of the edema. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and I thought I was being tortured and that they were, <laughs> it's like your mind starts going crazy about what's going on and it feels hopeless. Um, and yet I still maintained hope in that point. I'm like, all right, I can live with this. I can do it. I'm going to do it. I still maintained a positive mental attitude for the most part. Were there moments where fear and doubt set in? Absolutely. Were there moments when I was crying because I, you know, I don't think I can do this. Right. Absolutely. So what was the driving force between your, your hope? But where, where'd that come from? Was that, is that God given? Is that you had a previous uh, uh, upbringing uh, belief and faith or what? It was a belief in faith and mm -hmm. uh, a relationship with God. And, uh, and a, and part of it is a spirit of perseverance that I've had from, from a, being a child. I think I got that from my parents, my mother. My mother was a single mother, raised three kids in the days when that wasn't common. Yeah. Uh, and she was a strong woman who always persevered. And I carried some of that with me and have done, um, felt like part of life is doing hard things <laughs> and, and persevering. Yeah. Amen. Um, I call it stick-to-itiveness. That's my, one of my traits, stick-to-itiveness. Which your, one of your programs right now is called Indomitable Man. So, so, right. I mean, it's, is that not it? That's the, ain't nothing going to get me down. I will step over that shit and work around it. And yeah, I love that. Well, what, so, so I'm going to play on that for just a second before we come back. Um, so your mother, mother of three, uh, they're, they're I, I'm, I'm going to make an assumption. I can be wrong. You can correct me. But uh, in some circles, not only was it hard for your mom to do it, but back then uh, you and I are more or less the same age. There was also a stigma kind of that came from uh, that, that, uh, it, it, I would just say that uh, more towards women, I think probably, um, 
oh, what'd she do wrong? Now, I think it's very, uh, um, uh, you know, it goes both ways, but um, what, and, and, and you and I touched a little bit on some stuff with your dad when we got to spend some time together, but what of that aspect of your, your attachment and your relationship with your mom and, and not so much the father, um, talk about that for just a second and what, what that was like growing up. Um, yeah, it was, it was hard growing up and there was a lot of self-doubt and I, I don't pretend to understand what my mother was going through because I was, I was caught up in my own um, yeah. doubt yeah. about, you know, yeah. what, why am I not good enough? Why, why am I the only kid without a dad around? Yeah. And that left, um, I think, uh, part of, um, growing up as an achiever was a compensation for that in a mm -hmm. sense, right? I gotta, I gotta prove my worth instead of accepting my worth. Yeah. And it served me well. I'm not at to up to this point. Right. right. Amen. But it also, caused me to fall apart, which we're going to get to in a moment, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there was, and that self-doubt about being a father, I had no idea what it meant or it looked like to be a father. Yeah. So growing up, and then when I'm, I have to raise five kids and I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of doubt that comes into that and self-criticism. that yeah. came Amen. Yeah. Especially yeah. As, as a man. And lacking that masculine energy what what yeah. was or what's your feelings or um towards your dad or relationship um if any well um there isn't a relationship now he's he's passed away and there wasn't much of a relationship um if at all um yeah there was a, a level of acceptance of that yeah yeah i'll just leave it there Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thanks. Thank you for, for, for sharing. And, 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 and I'll tell you, you, you know, my heart and my soul and all that stuff, but my point in asking those questions is, um, and actually Jill and I were just talking today about Stephen Porges and, and, and attachment theory and, the, or Stephen Porges and polyvagal theory, but also the attachment theory and in the idea, but behind what happens with our families and our parents and, and I love um, what you shared about, about being a, a, a warrior, a, a, somebody that perseveres that you learn from your mom, like, Hey man, rub some dirt on it. Let's go. Right. There's no time to sit around. And, and I think so many of our stories and I'll say what I found so far in, in, in my coaching program and being able to talk with people, Russell, I get amazed at how those tough times shape us, those tough times intuitively ingrain and, and, and sometimes not, not in a good way, right? Like sometimes it, it, it pushes us the other direction also. So it's not like it's all um, uh, 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 ice cream and cake, you know, but um I'm yeah, just and I'll expand on that a little bit because I mean, one yeah. of the things that I have taken from my, my father or taught me is who I did not want to be. Yeah. Oh, so I very much wanted to be a different person, a yeah. different father, yeah. Yeah. a different husband. Um, and so in that, I can be grateful for the experience of it now, right? But in the time being, 
it was Amen. very hard and yeah. there was a sense of isolation and and um, not being good enough. Yeah. Amen. Whew, that's some deep words right there. A little, a little, a little bit of church here early on. Um, sweet. So we were, so you had your, your surgery, you, you, you had the bleed, you, they corrected it. Um, you know, you waited six years. You, I'm sure your wife, um, was, was, um, you know, you and I both know trauma can be caused by anything. I'm sure that she was somewhat traumatized as she's sitting there and y'all have to, I sure have a assessment of, Hey, if I don't make it through this or then here's how to take care of the, here, here, here's where the life insurance is. Here's where the, you know, um, that's yeah, a lot of stuff on her too. It is a lot of stuff on her. And, and, um, I will share this because we weren't in a good place where we could have that conversation. Wow. Um, it is a conversation I wanted to have because I, as the provider and a fear, I wanted to make sure. And, um, we couldn't get past the emotion yep. around. Um, my wife wanted to be the cheerleader. It's all going to be okay. We're going to make it. Nothing yeah. to worry about. Yeah. And I get that that was her place and what she felt like she needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how she needed to handle the situation. Yeah. And at the time, it was the worst thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Because I needed some something to be real and to yeah. acknowledge the, the risk that was in front of us. And so um, it created some separation between us in a time when we needed to be really close and some resentment that would build up in me because of what I thought she needed to be doing, right? I was trying to dictate <laughs> how she should live and how she should respond um, in the midst of my tragedy, which was yeah. also her tragedy. See, I even still classified as my tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very normal. There's still work to do around that. Hey, it is. Amen. We were, I'll I'll tell you a quick snippet, Jill, the other day I was, I was commenting on a word just like we do in our coaching program, right? Well, coaching your wife, just in case anybody's wondering is not good. Um, But Jill and I do the work together also, right? Like, so we will, we're both in the program and then we walk around the corner after we've been on a call or after we've been helping or, or receiving. And then we, it's like, Hey, pick your underwear off the floor, you know, and kind of thing. Or in most of the time for us, we're getting kids ready and stuff. But, um, I was just making a comment. I said, Hey, I'd love to see you not use that phrasing about yourself or about us or the situation. And, um, and her favorite thing to say is, Hey, don't wordsmith me. Right. Like, like stop trying to coach me. Uh, and I, I, I did receive a text the other day that had in capital letters, okay, coach. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's a blessing either way, just being aware and being able to do it. And that, that is my work. Uh, uh, and on the flip side is to continue to learn how to do that without coaching everybody yeah. around. I am, I'm also guilty of weaponizing my coaching <laughs> <laughs> in the marriage. It's such a harsh word. So, Stop doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you come out, you heal. Um, did y'all? Did, were you and your wife able to have that that conversation, or that? Did you tell her afterwards, like, "Hey, I just want you to know, now that I made it, like, I needed something from you," or, or did you? We just have come- had that conversation since 
but it wasn't right away because um, things actually got worse. Okay. Afterwards. Um, and for, for, so for the first few months after my recovery, it seemed fine. I was doing, I was doing the work to get back to life, to get back to health. Right. right? And I'm home with my family recovering. My son and I watched a lot of food network. <laughs> I could eat again. And so I wanted yes. to learn all about food. <laughs> and things. Uh, you know, six years of beans and rice, you kind of get tired. And yeah. Oh, I, that's an understatement, brother. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I was, I was doing the work. The edema was coming off slowly. I was building some strength back and getting, getting back to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was as I started moving back into all the things that were going on before, going back to work, starting back into the career, um, and starting with the commute again, and all the things that I wasn't really happy with in the beginning, beforehand, yeah. I was willing to voice or say, yeah. um, because I was living this, um, I was living a lie. Uh, I, I was living life. I wow. wasn't being truthful and authentic. I was doing the things I thought I should be doing. Yep. And when I was unsatisfied with it, I said, that's my problem. Get over it. Go back to doing what you need to be doing. That was my attitude. And you, that's what you said to her or just me to, you know, all the know. time. I was telling myself that. Right? Okay. Okay. I was, um, no, we didn't have those hard conversations beforehand. Yeah. Right? And if I tried to bring something up, we, we weren't equipped to really have that conversation together. Gotcha. I was not equipped. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm with you. I understand so that. We avoided the discomfort. I avoided the discomfort. I avoided being willing to, to speak authentically and be truthful. And I'm, I've learned now, you know, a lot that this is a, a pretty common thing that guys the pattern that they fall into is being this nice guy living up to what they think they should be doing um mm-hmm. really because they've got some alternative agenda right i want yeah i want to spin well so that's a that's a common pattern it's yes. and, and i'd fallen into it um and couldn't see it at the time right uh so i'm going back to work i'm starting to live life again and and feeling that unfulfillment and then really up against everything in that I'd been through. It was, what was the point is the question that keeps coming up. <laughs> I've been better off if I had just not made it because all this would be over with. Oh shit. Wow. Right. And so I did become somewhat suicidal. Um, I, you know, I, I was, I started to build a lot of resentment inside mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated life. I was not grateful and I was guilty for not being grateful because I've been given this great gift and like, I wasn't really appreciative of it. And I like, uh-huh. I don't want this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I, I started 
looking back now, I can see some things that were going on and understanding what I know about how this brain works and the, the neuroscience that's there. Right? Part of my reptilian brain was going, you almost died. Something's trying, was trying to kill you. What is it? And it's looking around and it can't figure it out. And it says, oh, it must be your wife because she's the one that was feeding you all the time and you had a digestive disease. And oh, it must be your work because mm. that's not fun. And so I, I developed this adversarial relationship between work and my wife. My wife and my work. Um, wow. And it caused great problems. And I saw my wife as my enemy. Yep. Right. And so we had a lot of, there was a lot of fighting, a lot of um, hard times, and a lot of resentment and bitterness that I was holding on to. Wow. I'm just taking notes here, brother. Um, I, um, man, I, I'm just telling you that that last two, three minutes, you know how many people can probably relate to that? What, whatever the trauma, whatever the event, whatever the experience, and, and oh, man, I'm going to get emotional, but the reason why you and I do what we do is because we don't see it in the time, what the hell is really going on. And so our, our, the society and our emotions tell us, well, the answer is to cut it all off. What, what, whatever is the adversary, right? Wow, that's heavy. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, so I, I, this is where I was. I was in this place of living in bitterness and resentment and hate, and I was not happy to be alive. I resented the gift I'd been given. I, um, I was still struggling physically. Uh, it probably took me two years before the pain of the incision kind of went away. Wow. Um, physically, I was still, you know, not doing great. I was yeah. doing okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I couldn't do the things I wanted right. to do or was what I should be able to do. Right. Um, it takes a long time for your body to recover from something like that. Wow. And so um, that's where I was. A lot of a lot of chaos, a lot of anger, um, I, uh, thoughts of suicide, things like that. And, and seeing my health go back to, on that path where I was before. Yeah. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to do that again. No way. <laughs> you were unwilling to do it again. Yeah. I was like, That's not an option. No. Um, I even said that if this is the path it goes down, I'm signing the DNR. Yeah. Amen. Right dude. Away. Right. Yeah. So how, maybe a tough question. How are the kids doing during this period where they, they, I, I'm assuming the older kids knew that they had been watching you deteriorate and watch you get really, really unhealthy before yeah. the surgery that's scary. You have the surgery, you make it out. You know, I don't care how much support, how much family, your parents, her parents, church, whatever, watching your dad, this strong dude go through that. Then you come out and then you're in this bitty, bitter, angry, suicidal, you know, 
how 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 they handle it, and how were the older ones specifically, which kind of intuitively knew more of what was going on? Yeah, um, we didn't talk a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I honestly don't know how they handled it. They seem to have handled it fine. Okay. I mean, we're we're still a close family and see yeah. each other and yeah. communicate and do things together and. Um, but what they were going through at the time, I, I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine the fear. Yeah. And imagine, the, especially when mom and dad are fighting all the oh, time now, when that was never the case. Yeah. 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 Well, so they went, they went from one kind of trauma or chaos of watching deteriorate and then to a different one. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, I just, think about when I was that age and I got to a point where me and my brother and sister were like telling mom, like, Hey, let's just leave. Like, like this is not worth it, you know? And, um, yeah, that can be chaotic. So, so you're, you're, you're angry. Um, life's chaotic. You're bitter. You're suicidal. What came next? Well, like many men that are in that place where they want to just check out, I was, perusing Facebook one time, one night, just scrolling away, uh, and came across an ad for men over 40 looking to get their health back so that they could stick around for their families, called the Fit Father Program. And a great guy started a program, Dr. Anthony Balduzzi. And if you are a man over 40 or 50 and you're looking to lose weight and take care of your health, I think it's a great program. But I jumped in on the program. Um, and being the achiever that I am, uh, as I was reading the material, there was this little section in the said that if you want to do this program and get the most out of it, read this. And so I read it and it talked about making sure you had a clear reason why you were doing this. So come up with a why, come up with a vision for your life and start some morning practices of gratitude and reading and reviewing your vision. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, whatever. If this is what I have to do to, to do this right, I'm gonna do it. Um, but there was a reluctance to it, right? It wasn't like gung-ho. Uh, and cause I thought I'm just gonna do some exercises and change my diet, which was part of it, obviously. I mean, that's the only way you actually lose weight is you change your diet and you what? exercise more. Sorry, what? no magic pills. There's only one, one the path. First, first I hear of this. I'm not going to look over there at my um, bottles of empty bur- bourbon and, and, uh, and half empty bourbon either, but exercise and diet, shocking, shocking. I, somebody told me the other day about that they were... Um, um, looking to lose weight with diet stuff. Do you remember back in the day, they would say it would be fat free and then they would just dump a ton of sugar in it or, you know, um, that's what I think about sometime. And obviously this, this fit father program, which I would love to get the link and put it down below just as a shout out to them. Um, so you start doing it after some reluctance, I'm assuming. I, I did the, I did the program, the, the diet and exercise with gusto and I did the other stuff with reluctance. And so every morning I would get up, I'd review my, my first vision statement, which was, I am lean, strong and energetic. 
um, which I wasn't at the time. Mm -hmm. And there was some why behind it because I wanted to do all this for my family and be an example and, and all that stuff. And I started a practice of gratitude. And my first morning gratitude was always, I'm grateful to be alive. Although yeah. I wasn't. You know, <laughs> it was like, all right, fake I'm going to make it. Yeah, fake it till you make it. Yep. And I would, I would try to find a couple other things that I was grateful for. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm grateful for this soft cushion on this chair. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Hey, amen. Something. It was, it was, it was a struggle in the beginning. Yeah. But I did it because that's what was required to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, so again, the achiever in me comes out yep. To, yep. to serve me well. Right. But not knowing what that was. Amen. Uh, so, yeah, that became my practice. And and I would start every day with this. I'm grateful to be alive and a few other things I was grateful for. And I would write I'm lean, strong and energetic. Um, and then I would start writing some more things about who I was. Mm -hmm. um, and I was also going through this period where I was like in this discovery of like, who am I? I don't even know who I am. I've spent all this time doing all this stuff. And like, I never took a moment to think about who I was or what was my purpose. And so I was on this search for my purpose and trying to, to know who I was and trying to get my health back in shape and doing these morning practices. Um, and somewhere along that journey, I had this revelation that it's not about who am I, it's about who do I decide I want to be. I've been given a fresh slate. I can be whoever I want, right? And so there was this shift. And I don't know, I don't remember what really caused it, but then it became a practice of, oh, who do I want to be? And every morning I'd get up and ask that question, who do I want to be? Not who am I, but who do I want to be? And I would add a little more, right? Um, and it became this two or three page document that I would write out every morning. And there really? was something in the practice of writing it. Yes. Very good. Writing it. Yes. Pencil and paper. And yes. I am, you know, I am a child of God and uh, yeah. I'm beloved and I am. I am lean, strong, and energetic, right? I'm a black belt in training. I am, I am, I am, I am. And um, it just became my ritual, my morning yeah. ritual. Yeah. It was like my prayer time. My, my, um, and I needed it every morning. Two, three pages. That's a lot. Yeah. So I eventually got tired of writing it. Oh, you know, I yeah. stopped writing it, but I yeah. did type it all up and would refer yeah. You still refer to it on a regular basis. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, and I don't necessarily practice gratitude to write it all out every single day. Right. Um, because now it's, it's like part of who I am. Yes. And if I ever find myself in a place where I'm not, I pick it back up. Yeah. Same. Um, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Because yeah. it, shifts, it shifts everything. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that was my practice. And one day, Dr. Anthony Balduzzi and his group, which I was being very active in his group and encouraging other guys, and we we're all on this journey together of health, right? Um, he says, hey, we're having this webinar for this guy named David Bear. And if you're, you're in a business and you want to learn more, come check it out. And so 
we hadn't talked about this, but secretly I had, I had, I was looking for a way out of corporate America because I didn't yeah. like the job, right? Yeah. yeah. I was trying to find a way out. And so I had started an e-commerce business and I was thought this was my way. I've been a, a business leader for many, many years. This will be easy, right? Yeah. I'm at the top of the, uh, the company and know the ins and outs of how it works. And man, this... I can do this. Well, guess what? It's not quite so easy, <laughs> right? And when you wear all the hats, it's yeah. all different. And when you've never really engaged and built a business, it's a it's a whole different thing. So, it's a total challenge. Can we tell them what your e-commerce is? At this uh, point? Yeah, I um, I serve the hobby distilling industry, and I provide equipment and supplies for hobby distillers, corn, grains, yeast. I build stills um, and sell those online. So awesome. if anyone's interested, you're welcome to to hit me up because it's still in, in that in that business. Yeah, you're in I that. I work it together now, and it's become a point of um, something that brings us together. Well, there's it's created opportunities for you, and it's created amazing opportunities. Yeah, yeah, it's what it's what brought you and I. Well, I mean, somewhat what brought you and I together, but. But I and I and I, I'll say this. I'll put it on tape. Um, it is. It's. I want to have one. I want to start. No, I do because you know Jill and I. Um, I'll, uh, um, Russell obviously knows this because he and I have talked about it a lot. But Jill and I are very interested in using um, our ranch land that we have and and part of that to um, to to be used for some type of whether we're growing or have a distillery out there, or even in Stephenville, Stephenville is uh, a budding town. Uh, we just got a Hobby Lobby and an Ulta. We're getting a Chick-fil-A. And, um, and so we, we've, we've had a, a Starbucks for a couple of years now, so don't go there. But, um, but there is no place to go and hang out that has a, a, a brew house or, or that type of, thing and and where there's an experience you know and you and i've talked about that a lot so so number one the best way to start is for me to have one here and start with my hobby stuff so i i always forget to tell you that so you need to hook me up and i'll uh i'll we'll make that happen yeah so anyway that's that's why i went to david bear like you promoting this business thing and um i called accelerator and i'm like all right that's good. And then I end up at this powerful living experience, which kind of changed my life Yeah, at that point. Right. Um, and so I started on this journey because part of what David Bear was talking about was all this stuff that I was doing, but didn't really know why I was doing it. I was just doing it and knowing it was making a difference um, and changing me. And then David Bear comes up and he's talking about this and talking about powerful or beautiful states and suffering states and how our brain operates. And, and I'm like, whoa, wow, I need to learn more. So I never really was in the personal development space. I didn't know that personal development was anything other than upping your skill level <laughs> to, to do more at work and provide more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's where, that kind of started and got pulled into that world. And into that. You know, my, my goal when I joined with David Bear was to build this massive e-commerce empire so that I wouldn't have to work anymore. Yes. Right? Oh, so you, you actually went into David Bear 
with the mindset that the e-commerce was going to, what was going to carry you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, and what I learned, I'll share what I learned with David Bear, yeah. the work that we did is it wasn't the, the job was not the problem. Yeah. It was me. I was the problem. And yeah. it was all of what was going on in my head. And so when I got my mindset right and really started doing the work, the job really transformed and crazy into something that I actually enjoyed and loved yeah. doing and was excited about again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, being an expert in something like you are, and you're, I would even call you a master of the, the, the actuary field. Cause I, I know how methodical you are and I know how important, you know, you, you value, um, doing things right. Like you have a high integrity quotient, but you also value, um, uh, the, the steps in the process of it. Um, and, and so anybody that works with you is going to get nothing but the best as evidenced by what you and I visited about earlier, which was, um, that you had to have a hard discussion because you, you were, um, recently, uh, um, trying to help some people out, but yet, uh, not getting the results you wanted. Would that be a fair, fair way to say it? So, so let's pause right there real quick. Um, where do you live? I live in a small town called Barnhart, Missouri. Okay, cool, cool. And where, where is that at, um, you know, on the map? Yeah, it's, it's pretty close to St. Louis. It's about 30 miles south of St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, all right. On the Mississippi River, the foothills of the St. Francis Mountains. Foothills of the St. Francis Mountains, and and uh, we'll we'll jump into what those mountains have done for you. Um, and so, still married? Married, yes. Yeah. How old are the kiddos now? Wow, um, put me on the spot with that one, right? I know. Bring it, <laughs> bring it. This is going to be a tough interview. I tell you what. Yeah, 24, 22, uh, one just turned twenty-one. I'm sorry. 25, 23, one just turned 21 this week and 20 or 19. She turned the 19 a couple of weeks ago and then um, a 13 year old. Okay. Gotcha. 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 So, so there, I have a 22 and, you know, and then, and then we have the, the 13 year old twins. Does it ever, um, do you enjoy or does it crack you up watching the oldest ones now tell you either a how to parent the youngest one or the things that they get away with? Yes. When we get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas, the stories around the table are, are quite entertaining. And, and, and as a father, you have to sit there and kind of shut your mouth, right. And just let them enjoy the moment. And you're all like, yep, that was me, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun though. This is a beautiful time to be uh, a dad, isn't it? At this stage, the season in life and being able to, yeah, you got the young one, but you can also see your older kids kind of right. putting one and one together and that kind of stuff. And those moments together become even more special. Oh, dude. Yes. They don't happen yes. quite as often. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. My, my 22 year old is, is, um, is we'll go, she's totally fine with going months without talking to dad. And I've just had to accept it. I'm just there when she needs me. Um, so, so you are a man of faith. Um, you, you, you go to church regularly. 
um, or, or not so much anymore. Actually, that's right. You, you, you and I have had this discussion you, you, and you don't have to tell us necessarily the congregation or anything you used to, but, but just touch on that real quick um, on, on why not as much church and kind of what you do for your family, yourself and family spiritually. And um, yeah, I, 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 I don't go to church as much anymore um, except for special occasions with my family. And it's not because I'm not a believer in um, higher powers and greater things. In fact, I very much believe in that. And a core part of my belief is that life is always working for us. Amen. Always for our greatest good or greatest growth or greatest evolution that, you know, there is a higher being that we're connected to that and that we are ourselves expressions, unique expressions. Yes. That being right. And this is part of my I am, right? I am a unique expression of the infinite intelligence of the universe as he expresses himself through me in his, his way. Um, and I believe each and every one of us are that. Yeah. Uh, which means we're all part of one thing. We're all part of the same. Web. Uh, being the same universe. cosmos. The same. Yeah. Amen. Want, whoever, whatever name you want to put on. Yeah. Uh, on that. But, um, so yes, um, that is that is where we are, I guess. Yeah. And, and my, part of my family still goes to church on a regular basis, which I support. Mm -hmm. uh, I still jump in in certain spiritual practices and congregations and and times. Yeah, and I have you know my own through gratitude through. Um, that time of reflection and connection and a deep belief yeah. that we are completely connected and all is yeah. working for us. Amen. Amen. I tell people all the time, I don't go to church as much, um, but my faith journey and my spirituality as a, as a foundation for my six pillars is the deepest and broadest and widest that it's ever been. And I am, I've never been more secure in my faith than I am now. Um, so what do y'all do at home? How do you lead your family spiritually? Is it, is it more, um, you know, is there a daily thing that you do? And, and, and by this, by the way, um, you know, I force my children to do these morning practices and stuff. Um, but, but also kind of your enlightenment with your faith. Do you lead them in that? Or are you letting them just kind of experience it and find it out for themselves? Or what does that look like? Yeah, I, um, I try to model and I leave space for others to have their own journey. Mm -hmm. And so we don't shy away from having conversations around spirituality and mm -hmm. faith. And yet I don't dictate spirituality and faith within the home. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. Do you... Uh... Do you have quiet time with them? Do you meditate with them? Do you encourage them to do journaling or gratitude or? Um... Yes, we do. We do encourage those things. We encourage gratitude. We encourage journaling. Um, one of the things that I specifically um, try to help, especially with my kids when they're going through a, a rough time, is we practice um, box breathing. So yes. that's my form of how do we quickly shift our state mm -hmm. in a moment? Um, and so we will engage in box breathing together. 
Um, just just for somebody that may not know, um, just give us a quick snippet of what box breathing is for you. Sure. It's box breathing is a um, a intentional form of breath work. It's very simple. You're going to breathe in for a count of four or five, and then hold your breath for a count of four to five, and then breathe out for a count of four to five, and again hold your breath for four to five. So it, it kind of looks like a box, mm-hmm. right? And you just do that for a number of, of rounds and it will quickly shift what's going on within your body chemistry and shift your state and brings you into a place of calm and focus. And um, so especially when you're, when you're out of feeling like things are out of control, mm-hmm. good practice. When you feel like you're starting to feel stressed and you need to go into some environment where you need to be on and sharp and focused, um, it's a good practice. So it's something I lean into frequently um, before important meetings, uh, before like we get together today, I would have, I did some box breathing. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a tool, it's part of our toolkit. Yeah, amen. And if, if people don't know, it is a, what, what, what um... The reason why it works physiologically, this isn't something that Russell and I believe in because it just makes us feel good. It's it's scientifically proven. It is physiologically proven proven to to um, it it affects our vagus nerve, Mm -hmm. which is um, in our um, throat. And so in the, in the course of that, in breathing in that oxygen, we also, you have a process where you're, where you're bringing in extra, extra oxygen, but you're also getting rid of the carbon dioxide. And so I've seen studies of which one's more important and, and that, that varies, but um, the process itself is a, is a mindful process. We know that the brain can only focus, the reticular activating system can only focus on one thing at a time. So when we're telling ourselves, breathe in four or five seconds, hold, breathe out, then, then the rest of those things go away. And, and, and as we stimulate the vagus nerve, our vagus, vagus nerve also gets to a point where he's like, cool. And it literally pulls us out of fight or flight. It pulls us out of that sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic, which we call rest or digest. Um, and it's super, super, super effective. Did you, did you start doing that when you, was that after David Bear? Did you learn that before? Or? I learned that. I think it was during David Bear, but not from David Bear. I learned it through some other channels. Yeah. 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 Wim Wim Hof has a great thing. This guy, James Nestor wrote an amazing book called breathe. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but I've got, I've got an extra copy if you need it. Well, Hey bro, we've, we've been doing this for an hour and, um, and uh, I have just enjoyed the conversation and and the story. And so I'm going to, I'm going to pop forward um, and we're going to shorten some of the other stuff. And then I'm going to, if you, if it's okay with you, I'll bring you back and we'll actually expound um, on, on some things because I want to be, um, intentional with our time. Um, so, so you have, um, I didn't even mention this. I was going through the process of who you are. Um, you're a black belt. <clears throat> I have a black belt Shitoru Karate. Okay. And you, you've been a black belt for how long now? Uh, about a year and a half. That's so awesome. I'm so jelly. I'm totes jelly, bro. 
That's so awesome. It's part of um, my journey. Yeah, dude. My oh my gosh. Body. Well, and I, I know if I would start doing something like that, that some of the, because I got my knee aches and, and one of them may or may not need surgery, but I know that that would just instill in me, not just a bunch of core uh, muscle strength and auxiliary muscle strength, but it would just get me past my, I mean, since I blew my knee out, I'm, I'm, I'm still fairly active, but I just haven't, and I love to run. I love to do those things. I just need to put it into something else. So I love that you did that. Um, but you, um, now you've got some programs, some things that you do. Tell us about those. Yeah. So because of what I've gone through, I, I, um, I have this passion and desire to help other men that are in a similar situation before they have to go through the kind of tragedy I went through. Amen. And so I am a David Bear certified mindset, transformational mindset coach. And I do run a program called the master your fate formula, uh, where we really get deep on how to control your mind, how to manage um, your life so that you can actually achieve and have the kind of life that you desire. Wow. And so one core component of that is um, getting connected with your purpose, I call it your powerful purpose. Mm-hmm. It's creating an unconquerable mindset and developing your um, indestructible brotherhood. And I think community is a huge part of who we become. And that's a part that a lot of men uh, end up neglecting as they are doing what they think they should be doing in terms of providing and taking care of their family. Dude, that's powerful. What now, what is your community called again? Um, unconquerable men. Yeah. And, um, and, and so you, you, you help somebody connect with their purpose, um, have an indestructible mindset, and then they have the, the community um, to, to get together and, and to share. And, and so within that, what kind of stuff do you do with, within that program? Is it, first of all, is the master your fate formula and, and is it, is it your only program or is it a part of coaching doing men's coaching or I do, um, I do coach one-on-one. So that's Mm -hmm. part of it. We follow that. And it's uh, part of my coaching program. Um, I do have occasional groups where we do this together. Uh, Another part of that's really a a big part of my program that focuses on the community is outdoor adventures. Okay. So I'm a big believer in nature as a healing mechanism. And that when we can get outside of our normal day-to-day routine and put ourselves in nature, uh, it begins this process of allowing us to relax, to become more authentic, become more our natural selves. Um, and there's healing in that. And so I, I lead some outdoor adventure retreats for men. Um, we keep them small and intimate so that you can really develop some of those personal relationships and not hide away, right, in all the activity. Um, and so that's a, a core part of uh, my program structure. What you do. Cool. How many times a year do y'all do those adventures? Is it set or is it just kind of when you have a group yeah. form? Or? No, we have four of them once a quarter um, outlined for this year to do an Ozark backpacking adventure. And I am constantly in the process of looking at other ways that we can build these and do these. And so, in fact, I have a conversation tomorrow with an individual up in New England area 
about doing UTV type of adventures together. So I don't know where that will go, but it's a possibility and I'm all about possibilities. Amen. Living in the possibilities. I love it. I love it. Or as we like to say, living in the 95. So um, you also, um, so you've been doing that for how long now? Have you been uh, coaching or uh, doing this, this facility? About a year and a half now. Um, okay. Something I started in, in the, the COVID era. <laughs> like many of us who've yeah, looked yeah. for other ways to get engaged and to yes. do things differently as we've learned. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Well, one of the, the, the main things that you are about and, and that obviously I know that you teach within your program and that you feel strongly about is um, being. Yes. And, and when I speak it, I say, I always say capital B, capital E, e you know, I-N-G, like being. Um, and, and we have a, tonight, Savion and I have a, a webinar that we're doing 638. And it's a main component about what we're doing. What does that mean for you? What does being mean for you? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting thing because if you ask someone, who are you, Stephen? Tell me mm-hmm. who you are. What's your first natural response? Um, I would tell them what I do. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So many of us have been wrapped up into that and wrap our identity up into what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we become human doings, capital D, <laughs> capital O. Instead of human beings and really what a human being, um, we focus on who we are and how we're showing up. And that's by being clear on your values right? being clear on what you stand for. This is where your purpose comes into play. When you know your purpose, you can be more of a being. Um, And so it's, it's, and, you know, knowing what gives you joy in life and following that and leaving room for that. So that's where, the sh- big shift for me, um, like I still do many of the things I did before when I was in this state of I hate life. But the, what's changed is my state of being, being confident in who I am, being authentic and managing that emotional state of being as well. Right? We talk a lot about this, about powerful and primal states of being um, And so that's one aspect of it is managing that, but it's really about being who you are at your core, being authentic and showing up. Manage that emotional state of being like we could do a whole two hours just on that conversation, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But the Uh, personhood being is really about knowing who you are and what you stand for and your values and showing up with integrity in those things. Um, so somebody might view this as a tease and if they do, that's fine. But when you're teaching somebody or going over so, with somebody um, about them knowing their purpose or what they stand for, um, what's your, what's your, within a minute or two, like what's your process to, to help somebody do that? Well, here, here's my process for, helping you find your purpose. I have a strong belief that you already are living your purpose. You live it every day. It's not something that you can avoid doing. Somehow you're making it happen. Mm-hmm. And the challenge is, is that you're so close to it, you don't see it. Right. And having someone step on the, outs- on the outside and hear your stories and hear how you show up and hear the words that you use mm-hmm. and the way you present things, um, it becomes crystal clear to someone on the outside 
what your purpose is. And yeah. so once you hear it, it's, it's like this, this automatic shift that happens yeah. and it's magical because it's like that aha moment. It's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always do that. Yeah. Um, but, and the, then the big difference is, is that when you're in that state of knowing you can act from that state of knowing yes everything lines up much what much more beautifully than it did before instead of yeah. just you know it happening and here's a good example of it in my own life i i was the actuary chief actuary right um and i did all kinds of actuarial stuff but what was really my pride and joy in my role was i created this mentor or an internship program to help train new actuaries as they're coming out of college to become greater actuaries and many of them are leaders in our community. I mentored young professionals to where they became the executives in the company, right? Okay. That's my pride and joy. Why? Because wow. my why is about helping others reach their potential and grow and see things in new life. Amen. Right? And so even in my technical job where I had to look at spreadsheets and know all these numbers and, and, and make uh, assessments of risk, I found a way to live my purpose. Dude, that's so powerful. That is so powerful. Um, I, I, it, man, I'm not going to go there. Um, I, I, we, you and I can go on a 20, 30 minute just discussion just about that. But it is, I, I will say this, a shared experience that you and I both have, even though it's been physically separate, is, is being able to watch that person come alive. And, 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 and I heard somebody say it this way, and it may have been Tony Robbins. He was like, look, I've spent, you know, $300,000 in 15 years to figure out what I'm going to teach you in 10 minutes, you know, or, or what, what my goal is just to put you in a situation where for, you know, the next two or three weeks, you can see it. And then, and then we can help you facilitate whichever direction you want to go with it. And um, that in of itself, if I don't know about you, but if I just got plugged in and did that for the rest of my life um, and, and cause you did it with the actuary, right. With the young guys um, that's, that's, that's cocaine to me. That's, that's just the biggest high, the biggest drug. And of course I, I, I want it for my kids more, you know, as, as much as anything else, but I find it funny sometimes that the kids go, okay, yeah, dad. And then I got these other people that are going, you've changed my life. And, you know, and, and the kids are like, get off my butt, stop making me clean my room, you know? So the funny thing is, so I was, I was still in this place of trying to figure out my own purpose earlier. And so I, I know I was plugged into a men's group. And so I, 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 um, I recruited all these guys to go through this process together. And so we all read um, Find Your Why by Simon Sinek, right? Yep. Which is a great example of how to, to yep. get through this. Yep. And it outlines yep. a process and um, I highly recommend it. In fact, yep. I follow yep. a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and so I gathered this group of guys so that we would all go through this together. And we would get on a Zoom call one guy would tell all his stories. The rest of us would listen. And then we'd come in and say, Hey, this is what we heard. And this is what we're seeing. And he would like, like, Oh my gosh, you're right. And so being part of that 
and in that moment, and it gave me such joy to be part of listening and helping wow. hear um, the, the purpose and reiterate that to someone else. That was like my inspiration for, oh, this is the path I need yeah. to be going down. And it also highlighted my own purpose, right? It's yes. like, I'm in that moment of joy because I'm doing exactly the thing that I was designed to do. Dude, that's so freaking powerful. So, so we didn't even talk. You and I uh, met through Bear, uh, and then we did Sprint. You're like the all-knowing IT tech guy um, for me. And then um, I got invited to a bourbon trip, a, a bourbon boys trip to Kentucky, and got to meet uh, eight or ten awesome dudes, all at different paths in life, different stages in life different hurts, some, some soaring, some struggling, watching their family or life fall apart. And, um, and, and, and you and I have discussed going into business together to do this, which I love because Jill's so excited. Jill is still will get excited when she either talks to you or hears you talk. And she's like, he is such a numbers guy. I have to meet him. Like, like she's so, and, I, and I'll say it again, if we can get you and her, uh, on on a call, I'm pretty damn sure that we will we will begin the process of of whether that stills up there or or down here that business because um, she just she loves she loves me first of all Russell I'll tell you she loves me first but she loves talking to people like that have your your mindset you're alive obviously and uh, and you know your why and we're still figuring out you know how to walk that walk every day but. But when it comes to um, that aspect, and especially distillery and the and the bourbon stuff, she just she's like, I don't even drink bourbon, but I absolutely want one. We we went and had wine at a winery the other day, and she was saying it again. Okay, so um, tell us if somebody wants to get in touch with you, if they're interested in coaching, if they want to um, be a part, if they're like Russell, I need to know my why. And in 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 and you have another call where you have all these men on, you know, where you're doing something like that. Which, by the way, if you want to do something like that, I've got kind of a coaching group that I think might be interested in it. If you and I wanted to do a, you know, uh, a kind of we could do a sprint or something like that. But tell us how do they get in touch with you, um, and 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 uh, and move forward if they're interested in coaching or group with you. So one way uh, that's very easy is to get a hold of me through my website, theinvictuslife.com. Invictus means unconquerable. Um, and so I, there's a way you can book a call with me on the website. It's a 15-minute introductory call just to see if we're a good fit. Mm -hmm. And if things work from there, then we take the conversation further. And if it doesn't, then we, you know, no we ways and no harm, right? Better so for it. Easy way to get started. Um, there's also my adventure weekends are listed there. So if you're interested in just plugging in to a retreat, um, you can just sign up for them right through. The website will lead you right through that. You can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn um, and get a hold of me that way. Mm -hmm. Cool. Are you on Twitter, Instagram? I am um, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And um, uh, do, do you have on, um, on, on, well, on any of your social, do you usually put stuff on there? Like if they like you and all that stuff, will they, will they um, 
be able to see when you have stuff coming up and, and that kind of stuff? Or do you really just leave it on your website and let kind of the process just work through there? That is a, a growing process for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Fair <laughs> of, enough. Of using the socials. Yeah. Amen. You and I, Russell and I have had multiple, multiple conversations, hence why I've hired somebody. Yeah. Um, because I'm I'm you're you're still doing actuarian stuff. I'm still doing dentistry three days a week in the family. And so we are definitely in the process of transformation ourselves, aren't we, my friend? Well, as uh, some of you know, uh, if you're on here, uh, we also offer the the one-on-one coaching with men. We have groups with men and women, um, and then we have our let's see, March 28th, we're we're starting up our next 60-day sprint for men, um, and then and and then I think in end of April, first of May, we have our um, next retreat, which as of right now is probably going to be parent-child. I I think we're going to expand it instead of just father daughter um, and and open that up, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, if I have enough father daughter or mother son or whatever alternating pairs, then we we might uh, break it up into multiple. But we have that coming up too. That's where you and I actually um, uh, kind of connected. I feel like a little deeper when we found out that we kind of both rely on nature, mother nature, to bring about uh, a calming. Uh, a soothing, a, you know, the Bible talks about a salve that is, that is uh, put to bring about a calm. And, and that's what I think happened. I tell people, I'm like, I don't do too much. I just like help coordinate getting them there. And I feel like, you know, the universe and God does the work and we just need a willing spirit to show up. Is that fair? I'm, I'm with you. And there's one other powerful thing that you do on a camp out and that's creative fire. Yes. It is purifying. Amen. Amen. It is, you know, the circadian rhythm is, is such an important part of our body in, in our, in our tempo. And we've lost it because of the artificial lights. And so when you get out there for a couple of days, um, you know, you wake up with the sunrise, go to bed with the sunset by the, in my camp house, we make them leave their phones in the car. And so, um, there's something purifying and magical about waking up to the sunrise. And, and it's so funny because we have people saying, I don't, I don't want to go back, you know, which I love. And yet at the same time, it's, that's part of my challenge. I haven't done, figured out yet is how do we incorporate more of that? So we, we give them tools as they leave, but, um, but that's, that's kind of my moonshot is to figure out how to send them back into uh, the city or, or into civilization while keeping that same spirit kind of boiled up. I don't know what to do right now other than tell them to go camping more often, but uh, that's my only solution. Brother, thank you so much. Is there anything? Uh, well, um, um, I, I'm going to ask you a question and then, and then I'll let you um, uh, uh, tell me if there's anything left that you have to say. The question is this, when you take your final dirt nap, and uh, your time on earth is done, your physical body is done. Um, what, what change would you like to have left in the world? I would hope to inspire others to recognize that they are, um, they are unconquerable. And what I mean by that is that life is always working for you. It's for your greatest good, your greatest growth. Um, your greatest evolution. And if it's always for you, you are unconquerable. 
Amen. Right? Um, Amen. So that is my hope that I, you know, leave that inspiration and legacy. That's powerful. Always for us. Anything else you want to leave with, leave us with as we close this out? I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful yeah. for our friendship. Yes. Yes. And gratitude will change your life. Oh, dude. It is. Mm. I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but it's um, so much goodness. We didn't even talk about visualization or manifesting or any of that good stuff, but but um, you and I both, so where we're at is because of all of the processes and that journey. And, um, and it's definitely a process, isn't it? It's definitely yeah. a process. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, say it one more time. Um, to whoever's watching this, you are uncom- unconquerable. Uh, Russell Creed said it. Uh, it's a truth. It is what, what we would call a natural law truth. Um, life is for you and the universe is for you. And um, all we would want is, is to give you a little bit of that juju and you go out and uh, give the gift to the next one. So Russell, blessings. Love you, brother. Appreciate you. Uh, we'll be in touch soon. And um, uh, if y'all need anything, if you either need a, 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 some, some distilling equipment or if you're looking for a coaching or an outdoor experience and you're in the St. Louis area, go find Dr. Russell. All right, bless you, brother. Love you, man. Take care.